Today I'm here with Reverend Penny Honey, and I've known Penny for, how long have I known you? Since 2010. 2010. How did you know that so quickly? Because <laughs> that's when I went to Southern California. Oh, okay. So the we first... met the first time, yes. Um, we <laughs> met through a mutual friend, and we've been in our little group for the last nine years. We have a group called The Sisters. And there's six of us. And that's how I know Penny. And I really wanted to talk to her today, not only because she's a reverend and has a great message, but as she said earlier to me offline, she's she has done all the shoulds, the societal shoulds of you should get married and have kids and have the white picket fence and the career and the corporate America and burr, 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 burr. So I'll let um, her get started telling her story and we'll go from there. And I definitely want to hear, you know, at the end, her thoughts on how she feels about regrets. She also does uh, hospice care now. So I'd really be interested in to hear what your patients think. Yes. Uh, so yeah, let's get started. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, and I'm just celebrating this with you. I think this is awesome that you're doing this, by yeah, the way. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, I really, right at this moment, I feel it's a ca calling. It's the best way to get the message out and to yes. broadcast, if you will, across the globe. And I really hope to inspire people to just never wonder what if. If you're stuck in a rut or you, you dream of something different, just do it. Don't be afraid of failure because you'll, you know, on your deathbed or later in life, you'll wonder what if, how my life would be if I had done this or that. And I think that's so important. And that's why I say no regrets is about healing. It's about healing our beliefs that we can't do it. Right. And the truth is you're already inspiring people by the fact that you're doing this. See, whether it's successful Right. Because if, if what you say is, you know, don't be afraid, whether it's successful or not, or whatever success you use, whatever you use to measure that success, you're already inspiring people. And we're doing that every day just by showing up and breathing. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because you can inspire people in a good way and a negative way. So, you know, when you talk about not living in regrets and my story, I have lived a lot of life. You I have a lot of <laughs> you have you know, and and well we were you know and we were talking earlier about uh why was i sending you email at one o'clock in the morning and i say well there's 24 hours in a day i have really tried to get every minute out of every 24 hours in this almost 60 years i've been on the planet <laughs> you know because that's the way i live it not everybody does that and that's okay um and even in that at that pace and going at that mile per hour there is room for regret and there's room for ways that you want to do things differently. But what I've noticed is you live long enough and what might have been a regret or a should or you did something because you should, you're really right where you're supposed to be. Oh, right. Exactly. And exactly. It took all of that. It took all of that to get right here. Um, you know, I was married twice. I've raised five, helped raise five stepchildren. Um, I've been a minister. I was a construction manager for 15 years, building large commercial buildings. I have been a literary agent. I have. Oh, you have? I didn't I, know that. <laughs> I've owned off-road, 
equipment facilities. I've run tow truck taxi cabs and I have waited tables and I've picked rocks off of conveyor belts and (laughs) and every piece of it has become a part of the fabric of who I am. Some of it's kind of funny, you know, I mean, I've been a, you know, I've crossboat hunted. I've, you know, I've been in Alaska. I hiked Denali Park for 10 days. I, you know, I mean, it's, life is amazing. And I thought I was in control of every step of that. (laughs) Well, when did you learn that you weren't? I mean, you're almost 60 now. So when did you learn that you were not in control of that? Um, I haven't learned that yet. Sometimes I still think I am. <laughs> did Sometimes. you have Did you have goals growing up, or? Oh sure, um, I was going to. Um, I would say out loud in my little tiny hometown because I'm from a very small town. I'm going to be a lawyer. Oh really? But secretly, I was. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, I went to school. That's what I studied was pre law, in college. Um, but. Secretly, I was teaching school and speaking before grand audiences in my utility room of the back of my house. <laughs> so would you, you know, say I, that you manifested that from a young age? Because you know, I, I don't know that I manifested. I think it existed and I ran into it. Really? That's what I think. Yeah. I think that that's what I was intended to do. Um, you know, at 12 years old, I was teaching Bible school and cleaning the church and babysitting them preacher's kids and, you know, running the potlucks. Family didn't go to church. And so I, that was what I I was called to do at that point in time. And it's been a big circle to come back around to that. Right. Because now you're leading the congregation at Unity of Flagstaff in Arizona. Uh And you're building that congregation and you're doing some other things on the side. So life is a little crazy for you right now. Yes. So would you say... uh, did you, um, how do I put this? Did you, I know you had a goal, but did you start out with a plan? Did you think, you know, I'm going to, you got married and you raised kids. Did you think that all was life going to be? And then life just kind of shifted or. I I think every decision I've ever made was going to, that was it. That was what I was going to do forever because I throw myself in 150 miles an hour. right. Right. So every decision I've ever made, that was it. This is, this is it. And, and it was until it wasn't. <laughs> and at every juncture, at every change, how did you feel? Um, how did I feel? I would say initially disappointed because I had this grand master, this grand plan, right? Um, disappointed. Um, probably a little regretful because I should have done it better. I should have done it faster. I should have done more of it, whatever it was. And, you know, life will just throw that at you. What I notice that the consistent piece through all of those changes through my life, all those grand plans that didn't end up being what I thought they were going to be, um, the consistency is that um, I was resilient through all of it. So it taught you resiliency. I'm guessing. you just had it. I mean, you grew up on a farm, right? So you're pretty resilient just because of that. Um, yeah, I would say so. And I think it was just part of who I am. And so I would, of course, create an environment all the way through growing up and moving through all those different things in my life. I would create an environment that would allow me to use that resiliency, I think, that I came with. Right. So, you know, maybe it's what I came with. 
Right. So your spiritual teachings, how would you talk about the grand plan? Because, <laughs> I, you know, there's that saying that, you know, when God laughs when you make plans or something yeah. like that, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean. Or you want to hear God laugh, go ahead and make plans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. just kind of like the fabric of what I this podcast is about is all these shoulds. You should do this and you should do that. And you need to have a retirement and you need to have this career and you need to make a certain income, but life throws you a curveball, right? And you know, things don't always work out the way we think it's going to, and that's okay. And everybody's on a different path and a different timeline. So I, you know, I hate the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I see myself resilient in five years. <laughs> well, because you are resilient now. Yeah, right. And at this stage in life, whatever five years looks like from now, I know that I am going to be responding to it with all the wisdom that I bring into the moment because I've had so many life experiences, because I've covered so much ground, and because I either I came with it or it taught me to be resilient, maybe a little of both. In five years, I will be doing a grander version of what I'm doing now. Because I think that we're always doing a grander version of ourselves as we move through this infinite timeline. Because these are like little blips in my life. If you know, if I live on an infinite timeline, which I believe that I do, sure. um, this these are tiny little blips in it. And so in five years, it'll be another it'll need be another mark on the timeline. And I don't know that a timeline is linear. I think it's, I think it's linear with loops, <laughs> kind of like you know, on and off ramps onto the freeway. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. I, I, when you said loops, I thought of uh, Montezuma's Revenge at that's Berry Farm. <laughs> that you know, oh, and it. then you go backwards, right? And you come back I'm and sorry, you do the loop. You live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you know, if you think about it, that ride, you go loop once yes. and then you go backwards and you do the lip again. And sometimes it takes exactly. two steps forward and yes, whatever. That's know? what I mean. I think that I don't know that life is linear and as much as it's linear with loops, because sometimes I know in my life anyway, I, you know, you're going along, you're cruising along, you're on this straight, nice, you know, easy or seems like right path. And all of a sudden, whammo, you're, you're in a. You're, you're in a curve, right? Uh -huh. you're in a and sometimes I've noticed, the longer I stay on this little ride that we call life, that the loops are actually more frequent and now they are the timeline, right? I'm like, oh, I'm building momentum for the next one, right? So it's like every loop has built momentum on this, this timeline of life. <laughs> man, it's going to be a fun ride by the time I get to the end of it at this pace, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I've read in so many books that the bottom line is get comfortable with change because that's the only yeah. consistent thing is change, yeah. right? And I love, I love acronyms, and, and change is one that um, was one of the first acronyms that dropped in for me. Um, C-H-A-N-G-E, constantly having a new growth experience. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's what that's what came for me. What changes and as the loops become more frequent, I also notice that they're at a higher level, you know, on this timeline. I'm so every time I go around a loop, I'm building momentum and I'm and I'm gaining wisdom and I'm I'm moving through life 
with all this life that is to support me. And I just notice that I'm able to keep doing it, right? So it feels like life itself is creating the momentum that makes life itself more exciting and, and less linear and more loopy, maybe. Right. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. I think every decade gets better. Wow. I do. I honestly do. Because you yeah. feel more comfortable with yourself or you just feel more secure oh, sure. or what is it? I'm sure it's it has to have a lot to do with being comfortable with yourself. And I think, too, you kind of get used to yourself. <laughs> you know, you, be, you become comfortable because this is familiar now, how you start to, how you do life. And you, if you start to recognize or you're awake at all and you're paying attention to how you're doing life, you start to see the benefit in these, these experiences that you create and that you're having. Sure. At least for me. Right. I don't know if you saw on my website that Anderson Cooper quote. I always bring this up because I think it's wonderful. I read it in a, a Fast Company article that he said, you know, life is often meandering and it's not till we get to the end that we it makes sense. Yes. You know, so for those who think you're wandering or you don't have a path or you don't know what you're doing or you're just kind of floating in the wind... <laughs> I think everything makes sense. I don't think I know everything makes sense because I can look back and go, well, that happened because now hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So I yeah. think it's, you know, it's our paths aren't such a straight line from point A to point B. Right. And, you know, I think everybody's actually doing that. I think everybody's floating around. I think some people just look more controlled in their float. A scene from Mary Poppins came to mind when you were talking about that. So, you know, Mary Poppins is always proper. And she, but she still flies with her umbrella and she does all of this. But she's very proper and very um, organized about it. And that seems to give it credibility. So people that choose the 30-year watch, right? Working for the company, getting oh, the 30-year watch, yeah. having the retirement, I, I, I'm fascinated by those folks because the truth is sometimes I look at their lives and I think that they have to have more flexibility than I do because they have to bend to a lot of people around them and they're willing to do that. They are resilient enough to stay in there and do that. My flexibility has looked different yes. <laughs> than that, right? I'm not ever, the only way I would ever get a 30 year watch is if I inherited it. <laughs> Right. And and I'm OK with that. But I really think that if we stood back a little ways and looked at it, I think everybody's actually floating around. Some but some of them just look like Mary Poppins and some of us kind of look like, I don't know, that, you know, crazy guy that's floating on the sky and Mary Poppins laughing. You know, I mean, it's like he's they're both floating, but one just looks more organized than the other. <laughs> right. And I also think when you were talking earlier about just as we get older, we get more comfortable when we get older, we're more, we're wiser in the sense of we realize that none of us really have our shit together, right? I mean, we, we look at other people when we're younger. I'm just for lack of a better, you know, we look at people when we're younger and, you know, their life is so perfect or I want to be like them. But then you, you realize that there's a lot of people that still don't know what they're doing. They may look like they do know, but they don't, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and, and what's funny is, is we're all looking at ourselves so much and wondering what we're not 
doing right or what we should be doing better or should be doing or should this or should that, that the truth is we're not really noticing the people around us near as much as as in our mind we think they're noticing us. <laughs> you know, so I'm standing in the closet, I'm getting ready to go somewhere and I'm worried about what I'm going to wear and I'm throwing things over my shoulder and I think, Everybody that's going to this event is doing exactly the same thing in their closet right now. And we're all going to be so obsessed with what we're wearing. We're not going to notice what the other person right. has on anyway. Right. <laughs> so it's like that in life. We're, we're so busy living our life and a lot of times critiquing our own. That the truth is we're not really too aware of what's going on, you know, what, how other people are showing up in the world. Right. Yeah. You br- for me. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you brought up two uh, words that I'd like you to talk about a little bit just for our listeners is, you know, higher. You said something about wisdom being higher, you know, get, it brings you higher and awake. What are those yeah. terms? So for me, as we move through the timeline and we talk about those loops, right? I think that, I don't think, I am certain that I am, I'm, meeting a lot of the same circumstances in my life, but at a heightened level of consciousness and a heightened level of, and wisdom is is a great word for it also. So that means that I may bump into the similar situations in my life and we're going to. I, I think one day I was sitting in meditation and it came to me, I think there's about five basic situations in life, <laughs> but we just spin them all up to look different. But I, I believe that as we move through this timeline of life that, and we hit those different experiences at different times in our life, we get to reap different benefits from them. And we just get to show up wiser the next time they come around. Sure. I would be a much better college student today than I was in college. Oh, wouldn't we all? <laughs> I mean, I regret not paying attention in one of my English classes in high school because <laughs> now I realize now how great this teacher was and you know she taught some really cool stuff and now I wish I had paid attention more not awful <laughs> do you remember her name yeah she Mrs. Should know. Susan Ince yep there you go yep, I love yep, it yep so I remember telling my algebra teacher when I can go down to the grocery store and I can buy milk and eggs with A's B's and C's this will all make sense to me <laughs> And I saw no purpose. And I'm really sorry about that, Mr. Lineberger. That was my algebra teacher. Because I really, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I'd be a much better student today than I was then. Um, I'm sure, I am sure I would be a much better stepmother. Because I, raised two, I helped raise two boys in the first marriage and three children in the second marriage. Those first two, they really, I, I, I just want to publicly apologize to them because they, they were the learning curve, right? And they, I was given so much grace and so much love. And I learned a lot. So the second time around, I was better at it. At least I think I was. I'm not sure that they would agree, but that's okay. But I'm sure if I were to do it again or something like that. So now I liken that same lesson. I think about the people that I come in contact with in ministry, for instance, and in hospice, for instance, um, and in my spiritual coaching and and counseling. And I can take some of those lessons and apply that. So all that I experienced in those life events is serving me now. Sure. And, I, and so I have to believe that when I run into a bump now, that this is serving me now for later. 
<laughs> right? I'm creating that same kind of support for myself and wisdom, just like I can look back now and see that I would be so much better at it now. I'm guessing that I will be much better at a lot of things in 10 years than I am at them right now. So if I mess up right now <laughs> on that, on those, in those loops of my linear line, I'll be better at it. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, I and feel we have the same proof. way. And we have proof because we can look back and see that we're better at things now than we were then. Right. I see it more in how I handle situations and react or don't react. You know, respond I'm, instead yeah. of react. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Respond <laughs> instead of react um, or just not even, it's not even worth, I've learned that sometimes it's not even worth the energy to put into it. It's just, you I don't love, respond. Right. I love the, um, in the book Fountainhead written by um, Anne Rand, um, there is, there are two architects and they've been in competition for many, many years and they have never liked each other at all. So finally they are face to face and they're having a conversation and architect A says to architect B, so just what exactly do you think of me? And architect B looks at architect A and says, I don't. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is beautiful. I don't. Yeah. So it's it's completely discharged, dis diffused, and there was no energy lost. Right. 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 You really get the last word when you don't have to have it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I always say silence is deafening. <laughs> right. Yes. So yes. what do you see um, happening with your hospice patients and when you do any spiritual coaching and uh, counseling as far as life regrets or just other people's lives? So I will tell you in hospice, it's an interesting thing. And I, I attribute this partially to um, what I'm open to see because somebody else with these same patients may have a different experience. But what I see are people that are much more in tune with the fact that, okay, this is coming to an end <laughs> than most of us. Much like I'm sure you've had the experience of having, right? Okay, so I'm close. There, there's a precipice here and I'm noticing I'm edging up toward it. What I find, at least this has been my experience, most of my hospice patients are very comfortable with their life. And yes, they have regrets, but they have made a lot of peace around those. And those regrets, the closer you get, I think, as I'm observing, to that precipice, to, to that transformation of whatever comes after this, those regrets become less and less important because what you think you are regretting really doesn't have that much power once you are able to transform it into something that makes that makes life more pleasant now. You know, it's like they may have a regret about not having a great relationship by a gentleman with his son. And he said, you know, but that's been so long that it, it really it's okay because maybe that just wasn't what we were supposed to be doing, right? Instead of running right up to the edge of the precipice with all these, this weight of all these regrets, you know, in their little backpack, 
they're dropping them along the way because they're not worth it. But what, not, what gets them to that point, though? Like what? In this case, with my hospice patients, being told they're going to die. Right. But dying, uh, I, we had a conversation when I saw you last about the dying, right? They're so powerful. They will hold on until they can say goodbye or they will wait until somebody leaves to die because they don't want. I mean, there's just so much inner control of those things. So I just wonder, I, I mean, but do you think that people die with regrets? Like, just they can't oh, let it go. I mean, how do they how do they let it go? I think there are people, a lot of people die with regrets. And I think it's because they don't make peace uh, with themselves leading up to it. Because if they, let's say they've had, let's say, let's say they've had a bad experience with, uh, let's say, a brother, right? And they've had a, this, this estranged um, relationship, right? And it's just uncomfortable and they just haven't spoken and all the things. What takes precedence in their life when they find out that they're dying or they come to grips with it is that what, what really takes priority for them is the importance of that relationship as opposed to the importance of whatever it was that was driving them apart. The resentment or the anger. Or yeah, it just isn't worth it. It doesn't hold the value when your, when your time is, is more, fi when you are aware of it, it being finite. Everything becomes, I think, compressed and, and amplified. Because the space that you have to hold it all in is much smaller. And because it becomes amplified, the important stuff pops out. It really becomes... What, when you say the important stuff, you mean what really matters is... What really matters. Relationships is, and... This is my brother or this is my friend. And I really don't want to go out this way. I really um, want, it, I want it to be whole and I want it to be okay. And... It wasn't that important to stay mad. It's no longer that important to stay mad. Right. That loses its power. And what takes precedence, what really takes priority is, what do I want? What I want is I want to be at peace with this friend. What I want is I, I want to be connected. And no matter how pissed off I've been, that's not important enough. Sure. That's what I think. That's what I observe. Sure. Happening. Sure. I, I, and I don't know. I don't know if that's forgiveness. I don't even know that that's what it is. I think it's just, I want to be at peace, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that backpack's heavy and yeah. you're just tired of being angry, probably. Yeah. yeah. And I know for yeah. me, uh, one of my biggest regrets is, uh, you know, not being with my mom when she passed away, like not physically, like holding her hand. We were, you know, I was down the hall, but I wasn't there and I just... It was awful because I thought, you know, nobody should die alone. But I was like 17. Mm. And though it, it saddens me to think about it, it's we do, we do the best we can in that moment. And we, like you said, over the years and through the loop-de-loos, we get, we get, we grow and we get better, more wisdom. And we learn from those mistakes and our experiences. And... That's how I've been able to make a little bit of peace with it. Just going, gosh, I was so unconscious, so unaware right. of at 17, you know, my mom's dying that I didn't know how to handle it. So do you think if you believe that um, 
and we talked about this earlier, about how people hang on, right? They hang on until they get to say goodbye. They hang on until, you know, the person that's passing. I also have watched this process that people wait till the people that they love leave the room because they don't want that to be the last experience. Sure. And so you might want to consider that your mother had that same kind of power. Yeah, no, it's possible. I just, you know, she landed in the hospital because of a stroke. I didn't go into the ambulance with her. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't, we were just kind of waiting down the hall. And so I just really didn't know what to do at her funeral. I think people thought that I wasn't sad or it's just, I didn't know what to do. You had no point of reference. Yeah. be or how to respond in that situation. Right. So the truth is you responded perfectly with what you had in your toolkit. Right, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And we all are doing that all the time. Now, I really do come from the premise that I believe people are doing their best. I think that people do their best in any given moment. Now, does it mean that they can't do better? Absolutely not. But they are doing their best in that given moment. At least that's the world according to Penny, right? (laughs) But in that moment, like whatever, you know, they could have just gotten cut off at, you know, in traffic and now they're angry and right. It's whatever that moment is surrounded by. And they are doing the best, I believe, in that moment. Now, as I said, that doesn't mean they can't do better. And now we're back to the loop-de-loops of this linear life. We come back to that loop and we recognize this. We see it again the next day, two weeks later, three weeks later, somebody cuts us off in traffic and we notice that we take a really deep breath and and instead of all that litany of (laughs) verbiage that we have to throw out when somebody cuts us off in traffic, we don't use it. In fact, it's not even the thought that we think. And we notice that um, empowerment and we notice that evolution in ourselves. Every time I do that with myself, it opens my eyes a little wider to see that that's what other people are doing. And that's why I come from the premise that they're doing the best they can in the moment they're doing it. My granddad used to say when somebody was being a little stinker or they weren't very nice or just kind of being an ass, right? (laughs) He used to say, you don't know who kicked their dog that day. Just give them a break. Oh, yep. Because we don't. That person that just cut you off in traffic may have just driven away from a doctor's office with a diagnosis. They might be on the way to the hospital with a mother that's dying. See, we just, we don't know who kicked their dog back. Right, exactly. That's a good way to put it. So how would you define living with no regrets? Mm. I would say loving myself in every moment. Have you always loved yourself? Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) It took a while to learn to love me. (laughs) How long did it take you? At what age did you cross that line? What time is it? (laughs) No, I just, I asked that question because one of my other friends, gosh, she was like in her 60s when she really, you know, came to these realizations. And I just want everybody to know that it's okay if you don't have it figured out right now. Well, you're you're where you're supposed to be. Even if I think I'm loving myself as much as I should or or I know that I'm loving myself much more than I have earlier in my life, 
there's always something else to learn. And I don't think I'm going to figure it out. I think that if I'm breathing, I still have things to figure out. <laughs> uh, oh, so, girl, I got that feeling. I know if I, I'm not dead yet for a reason. <laughs> That's all I have right. to say. And you have physical proof, right? right? I mean, seriously, right? So most of us are out here wandering around wondering, wow, I wonder why I am still here. <laughs> but... <laughs> But really, if I'm breathing, I, I, I just still have things to figure out. Sure. And you don't, and you're okay with not knowing what those are? Oh, no, absolutely. I'm not okay. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want to know hey. what, what do you mean? What? <laughs> of course, I want to know every one of them. Now, do I get to know? There's a really great little story in the book. It's called Blink. And there is a Marine general, and in this book, he is talking about how they lay out all these great plans, like we do in life, right? We make all these great plans, right? And and he says, so they do that from, you know, from the control, from the command station, right? They, they do this. And then the guys, the people, not necessarily guys, but the people on the ground, boots on the ground, are in the situation. So the general said, you know, Good leadership is to be in command and not in control. So you're commanding the things and how you want it to look and what you want it to be. But the boots on the ground say, that ain't going to work because I'm telling you there's a building here you don't have on your plans. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you there's there's a big old river here and it wasn't here last week because it rained or whatever that might be. So boots on the ground is in control. And the command center's in command. And he said, really, that's what good leadership and that's what I think is good consciousness, is that I have a command, I have an idea, I have a plan. And what I've learned about making plans by this stage in life is all those lists that I make of what the plans look like, I just try to leave them double spaced. Sure. Because I have to leave room for life to happen. So I'm in command, but really to stay out of control is is probably <laughs> is probably the best place to be sure and you had mentioned earlier um, there's five basic situations what did you mean yeah. by that like in life or what are those five things well for me now this is again this is the world according to penny it's it's life you know there's birth there's birthdays there's you know there's death it's the end of the life as we know it. And the three things in between really are just about connection. So if there's connection, there is um, clarity, because every moment we get the opportunity to be a little more clear about things or not, right? And then there is just um, places of peace, moments of peace. And I really think that in the span of life, we go, we do this, we connect, we get clear, we find peace, and we die. I mean, and those are the five situations. I think if you really think about whatever comes up in your life, is it about connection? Could be, could be a bad relationship, could be a good relationship, could be no relationship. You know, clarity, every, there. how many situations in your life have been either skewed because you didn't see it clearly or somebody else wasn't seeing it your way, right? Clarity, right? And then peace. There are situations in our life that all of a sudden we make decisions and we make decisions because we want to move to a place of peace. 
And you can take a lot of situations and plug peace into it and go, oh, yeah, that's really what I was going for. <laughs> I was really going for a place of peace. Sure. And then there's, then there's death. And that is not just the leaving of this life, but I've laid down a lot of things in my day. You know, you, you and I wouldn't say lose, but things transform. And what was so ultimately important in the focus of my life, I can't even remember what that was now. And it was so important at that stage of my life. It has died. It has since gone and transformed into something else. And so many situations in life present that opportunity. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, one of the, uh, if I remember correctly, my brain's not really functioning lately, but... (laughs) (laughs) um, one of the lessons learned this time in the hospital was, you know, anything can resolve in s- itself with some time and space. You know, yeah. we always want the answer right now. We have to resolve it right now. We need to know right now. But if you let it breathe, kind of loosen the grip, it's that control thing again. Give it some time and space. It has a tendency to kind of work itself out or you know what to do next. And that, I believe, is being in command. Because you are commanding your willingness, your openness, your um, your being able to see. You're commanding that. But you're not controlling the situation. Because you can't. Right. But you can be in command of how you're responding to the situation. Sure. Um, and that, I mean, I really do think that that's, I, I just think that's a great way to live. <laughs> Right. And I love the analogy, too. I've used it before. It's kind of, I learned it, you know, if you want to manifest financial abundance, you can't, if your hand is, you know, in a fist, it's clenched, nothing can throw, you know, your hand's not open. You can't, you know, if you're holding on so tight to what you have, your hand's not open to receiving more. So you have to, like, loosen the grip and let the, let it flow, Right. right? Right. Right. Well, and it's like that, too, when you're, you know, you, you want to control everything in your life. The universe only says yes. And so you say, no, 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 I'll control this. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. And the universe says, yes. <laughs> and, and there may have been so much. It may have been so much easier. It could have been so much more. It could have been whatever. Um, but you really limited it. You choked the opportunity and the possibility right out of it by clinging and clutching to it so tightly. Right. Of course, you know, you do, you choke, you just choke the possibility right out of it, you know. And so it is that, it is about opening to that. And, and, you know, we, when we were talking about that timeline and, and I'm, I'm, I'm clenched. So if I'm hanging on to that timeline as if that will keep, I mean, the truth is that keeps me from moving forward on the timeline. Because you, you think of it like a, you know, like like a ski rope, you know, on a bunny hill. You know, you you hang on to it and it drags you up the hill, right? You know, I mean, it's like that. I mean, it can be that kind of resistance. It can be a drag. It can be a pull, or it can be in the flow, like you said. Can now? Does that mean I've always done that? No, no, no. Oh no, no. I'm everything <laughs> I think I've released has claw marks on it. Right? Sure. <laughs> I was hanging on. <laughs> and I love the other thing too. Sometimes you got to let go to see what's hanging on, right? You know, if it's meant to be, <laughs> right? Sometimes we hang yeah. on to things that are just not meant to be, and 
we need to let it go. And if we let it go and it stays, then it's meant to be. And if it doesn't, then it wasn't. I'm a firm believer in that. Right. I agree. And maybe the hanging on and the not letting go is also part of what's meant to be for that period of time. Oh, sure. It's a lesson. It's a, a learning opportunity, right? The experience. Yeah. You know, I say all the time um, that when I bump into resistance, that the word no really can mean new opportunity. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So you just get a no. So you just get a no. So you just get a no. And all of a sudden, it's you realize that's actually the new opportunity. Yeah, that's just for me anyway. <laughs> sure. I'm curious about your uh, meditation practice. Mm. I have been a meditator for many, many years. Now, I know that there are a billion different ways to do that. And I... I would not lay claim to saying that I've got the, I've cornered the market on it. What I know for me that meditation is, is this. It is turning up the volume on my awareness. That's all it is. Now, that might be in the kitchen cooking. That might be, I don't know, gardening. Car wash, right? Sure. Gardening. Gardening. Doing dishes. Yeah. 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 Because I think that. By being willing to turn up my awareness in the midst of everyday things, I live most of my life doing everyday things. So if I can turn my awareness up in the midst of those things, um, I call that my meditation. Now, I also do have that time that I sit in quiet. And I'm not very good at that, actually. Because my little brain wants to run off here and run off there. And I've been doing it for years. So when it does start to run off, I... You know, I do a lot of yoga and I do those practices, but sometimes I just get up and I, keep, I start moving. And I find that that is about being conscious of turning up my awareness, whatever it is I'm doing. So that really is my meditation practice. Um, I'm, yeah, that just, that is the truth. And I love having the right pillow and lighting the right candle and, you know, lighting the incense and doing all those things. I mean, I love those things. I do. Uh, but that's not the way I live my everyday life. Sure. Yeah. You are definitely a mover and a shaker. <laughs> um, so I didn't know that you have been to Denali, and you know that I got sick in Denali, right? I do. <laughs> so yes. I just, I... I'm curious, when did you go to Denali, and how was it? It was fabulous, and I was there um, in July of 2006. And we were in the park for 10 days. And amazing. Um, yeah, we backpacked. And we actually got to see the mountain twice. Nice, because that's almost twice. rare. Yep. It is very rare. It was very enlightening. That is a rough country. And I'm not, it's not like I'm a wimp. It, it was, um, it was beautiful, breathtaking. It rained a lot while I was there. <laughs> Where did you stay if you were in the park for 10 days? Well, you get a permit and you... there so you are camped? Areas, you pent, yeah. We, okay. Because yeah. there are, there's a... Katishna is at the end of the, at the back and the um, company I worked for owned that as well. So there is a oh, lodge oh. back, there's a couple lodges back there. So yeah. I didn't know if you stayed in the lodge, but you 
camped yeah, we, it. Yeah, we camped. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, we backpacked and we carried the tents and the, yeah. Yeah. Amazing experience. It's so beautiful. And I tell everybody and I'm going to tell all of you, save your pennies and go to Alaska at some point because it really feels like you're in a different country. It's just the vibe is so different and it's so beautiful and just people are just, they care about nature and they're, mm-hmm. there's less people and it's just breathtaking. So they're very, it's very connected, very earthy and yes. connected. And I, of course, I was there in July, so we had a lot of. Day- <laughs> you had a lot of what? I'm right? sorry. It didn't. It, it it rarely got dark. Oh yeah, daylight. Yeah, daylight. Yep. Yeah, that's a weird thing to yeah. get used to being two o'clock in the morning and the sun's up like it's uh-huh. noon. <laughs> yeah. We it started to snow when towards the end of the season at the like middle to end, you know end of August, so it started to get cold then. But we, and it starts to get dark. And so I actually did get to see the Northern Lights, which is, was on my bucket list. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, like they literally dance in the sky. It's crazy. Isn't it? That's yeah. awesome. Good for you. I didn't realize you'd gotten to see that. Yeah. That we didn't get to see that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I will go back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was in Alaska for 12 weeks. Six of it. Oh. I was sick. Felt that- on my, you know, dying and didn't know it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I pushed through. <laughs> but I pushed through it. It's all good, right? <laughs> eventually. Yeah. It's all good eventually. Yeah, it's a long road, but got through it. It's the eventual that we struggle with. <laughs> right, exactly. So, Penny, uh, do you have any regrets? Well, I would say probably... I would, if I were going to do any part of my life, I wouldn't change any of the events, but I would find more balance. Uh, Explain. What do you mean? Well, for me, a lot of extremes in my life, you know, a lot of, and I do, as I said before, I do everything at 150 miles an hour. And so you do that for a period of time and then you're going to crash. And so then you have, then you have that little crash time and then you, you know, then you come back and then you do 150 miles an hour. What balance would look like for me is all the same events, but I would do them at a more moderate pace. Not with any less zeal or enthusiasm, but I would move at a more moderate pace because it would give me more opportunity to get the lessons in the midst of them rather than at the end or like 10 years later. I would like to get those lessons in the moment. Would you say you're moving at a moderate pace now? I think earlier you said you are moving at 150. I am. am. (laughs) So so is that balance a challenge to? I think that's my learning. I think that's my growing edge is balance. That's your ultimate lesson in life. Yeah. um, Yeah. Is finding the balance. Yeah. I do. And and I, I guess I'll keep doing it until I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and maybe that's exactly what I'm modeling for someone. Is um, and and I am so blessed because I have the energy and I have the enthusiasm and the authentic um, desire to live life at the at a pace like this. But I think that lessons come. 
after the fact more often. I think I get them after the fact. And I think it would be kind of cool to get the lessons in the moment. And I think that's what Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Right, right. And I think think part of the, the, the success formula to that would be to have more balance in our life. Right? Yep. We could all yeah. use it. In fact, it's um, it was funny, and I think it may have been in kind of contemplating this podcast, this interview, um, that balance, because I looked at your questions, and I thought that would be the one regret I would have, is to have more, more balance in my life. And it's interesting, because now what's happening is on Sunday, the talk I'm giving on Sunday is on balance. Oh, Nice. And I really believe that this was the impetus of that as I was thinking through those questions that, okay, so now I'm noticing. So everything happens for a reason, right? Well, and I only teach what I need to learn. <laughs> oh, I like that. I only teach what I need to learn. And sometimes I don't even know it until I'm in the middle of the teaching. <laughs> I go, oh, that was meant for me. <laughs> sure, and I like these messages and I want to teach people uh-huh. these things. And I, you know, I have such imposter s- syndrome, right? Like who am I to be teaching this? But I love uh-huh. that. Like we only teach what we need to learn because I haven't mastered everything that I tell, you know, or recommend to people. It's always easier said than done, but at the same always. time I could always learn it more or master well, it. And I do believe, I mean, I really do think that we are drawn to For me, I learn more in the process of teaching than I learn, I think, in the process of studying. Because it's when I have the collective energy of the people, like we're having this conversation. So there's a there's a collective energy that's happening here. And I'm learning through this. Like when you sent me the questions and I started contemplating them, see? It's, it, and, and I really do, for me, it's about I learn more through teaching than I do through studying. Sure, it makes complete sense. Yeah, of course you have to study in order to do the teaching. So you do the study, but then you have the experience of teaching it, and then for me, that's when it comes live. Sure, and I and new information kind of comes out when you're yeah. oh, like you yeah. said, you know, when you're, I, I, you know, a lot of the times I and I, for lack of a better word, the. The wisdom that I receive isn't me. No. You know no. what I'm saying? It's not my ego. It's not me. Sometimes it just like, you know, flows out of me and it like spills onto the paper. And I'm like, God, that sounds pretty good. I know I didn't do that. <laughs> you know, but I, I, I do this all the time and it's not ego. I really don't think it's ego. Maybe it is. Uh, but I don't think it is. I'll be talking to somebody and they'll say, yeah. And I'll say, write that down. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> something that I've said, you know, and somebody will say, I was sitting in a circle not too long ago. I was with my friends from the Baha'i. Um, that's a religious practice is the Baha'i practice. And they have these fabulous groups and people bring readings and then you talk about the readings and, and I just something, just, I spit something out and I, and somebody said, Oh, could you say that again? And I sat there for a second and I Going, said, no, what did I, say? <laughs> I can't say it again. Dang it. Dang it, somebody get a pencil. <laughs> right, and as you're talking, all these great little acronyms and nuggets, I'm like, thank yeah. God this is being recorded because I can't write it well, down fast I, enough. And I think that people are doing that all the time. Sure. I think, that we're, I think that everybody's doing that all the time. But 
and I noticed like working with kids because I've worked with kids through the years that parents, you know, are healing so many things through the raising of their children. I think it's the same practice, you know, and they, it's under, you know, it's under the guise of we don't, we want them to have it better than we had it or whatever that might be. But I think that I really think that as adults, we're working a lot of those things out through that expression of our child. So I think it's the same premise. Sure. You know, you're, you, you're learning as you're teaching. Sure. And yeah. um, you live stream your Sunday service, correct? So uh-huh. if people want to learn more about balance this Sunday, you could go to yeah. your YouTube, your YouTube channel. Yep. Which it's is YouTube. it's youtube.unityofflagstaff.org. It's simple. We just have fun. And when we talk about balance this week, um, it'll be interesting to me to see what happens because the joke in my congregation is that um, I have notes as a prop because I start out and and um, and it's it's the room that really dictates it. So the more people that are watching, they bring that energy also. So it's just always interesting to me. I like to go back and watch the videos to see what actually got said. <laughs> Well, I think the notes, you know, you have some idea like today, we have a theme about what we're going to talk about, but the conversation goes where it needs to. And people get the messages that they need to. And I think that's a good reason not to always control things. Because there we go. We're commanding exactly we're commanding the topic. But we're not controlling the direction that it takes. Because right, the universe, somebody had said to me once before, the universe has the bird's eye view of the 4,000 mile view. We only have like yes. a five mile view. So yep. trust the universe. Yep. Trust that they see the bigger picture and know it's better. Yeah. So I had an acronym for the word trust also. Oh, do you really? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so in my, in, in my congregation, I say to rely upon spirit totally. But I also say to people to rely upon self totally, where we rely and trust that the innate wisdom that resides within us is going to send us the right direction. Do you teach um, in your teachings that we're all a piece of God or we're all connected to God or a higher power, whatever term you'd like to no, use? So say that again. So, so say do, that again. do you teach that? we have that innate wisdom because we are a piece of God or we are connected to God or a higher, whatever the term you want to use. So it's funny because I have a theory about that term that we use and it's on my business card. Yeah. I say, call it God, call it Buddha, call it Joe. I don't care what you call it. Just call on it often. Oh, I like that. Whatever it is, whatever that word or that name or whatever that is, tap it because it resides within you and you are one with the universal wisdom. You're one with the, the knowing. Uh, how could you not be? We can take the elements out of dirt <laughs> and the elements out of water and the elements out of a human body and we can see the overlap. There's no separation. We're, we're we're all part of that creation, and so how how could I not be part of the infinite wisdom? Sure, I am part of the infinite wisdom. I'm I'm contributing, and I do believe that we're, we're all one. But I also believe 
that it takes up many of each one of us to make the whole one. So, yes, I believe that we're connected. And this is what we teach, that we are one with God. And, and like I said, I don't care what you call it. Call it Joe, call it, it doesn't matter. But we're all one with that. But I do believe that it takes many of those ones to make up the whole. And, and maybe that's not always comfortable for everybody, right? Along those lines. But that's okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, before we end, do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share? Well, again, I just want to tell you, I think this is really cool you're doing this. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I like it. Cool. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, And I, like you said earlier, just even if it's successful or not, I told myself, you know, I'd give myself at least a year just to uh -huh. see where it goes. And without, you know. I haven't done quite a year or six months because I had a four-month hiatus being in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. I I'm having fun, and as long as I'm doing it because I believe that there's a message to be said and people need to hear other people's stories, the people who will hear it will hear it, and it doesn't matter. You know, it it everybody has a different definition of success, so. That's right. You know, my grandma used to say, to do great things and never have the need to know that I have done them is true success. So if you touch one life, then my job is done. Shared, then your work is done here. See? Yep. And you don't even have to know that yep. because it goes back to that oneness. Because if the people around us are being lifted up and they are awakening and they are becoming more conscious just by the result of maybe one thing that got said, however long ago it might have been said, then we have contributed to that because we're all connected. I and absolutely so agree. The, then our work is always done. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love you, Penny. And I'm so glad that you took time out of your busy schedule to join me today. And can't wait to share your messages. So people can watch your live stream on Sundays right. and I will leave a link in the description of the podcast and I also Excellent. leave a link to the Unity of Flagstaff and anything else that you want to share before we go? Keep up the good work. Okay. Well, thank right. you so much. All right, hon. Take care. It's good to see you. <laughs>